and uh, when he came up, all of these young ladies stood up after him. I was like, does he, does he know what's happening right now? All these young ladies following him. Maybe the first. Uh, just teasing, Chad, just teasing. I uh, forgot to mention as well for, for our missions conference on that Saturday afternoon, it's uh, international dress up, so come dressed in a national costume. And then uh, if we could have some ladies or even some men help with um, some of the food and, and afternoon tea there, please see Sister Christy um, Prera in regard to that. And if you could help that way, that would be a blessing. All right, let's turn our Bibles to Joshua chapter 7 this, uh, this morning. And the last time we, we were here, we looked at the danger of experience and relying on experience alone. And I had to go back here, and, and there was something that the Lord caught my attention with. And let's just begin reading in verse 1. Get the, get the context, and then we'll actually read down to verse 11 this morning. But the children of Israel committed a trespass in their cursed thing. For Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took of the accursed thing, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against the children of Israel. So you know that, uh, that this follows straight after their great victory in Jericho. And so Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is beside Bethhaven on the east side of Bethel, and spake unto them, saying, Go up and view the country. And the men went up and viewed Ai. And they returned to Joshua and said unto him, Let not all the people go up, but let about two or three thousand men go up and smite Ai, and make not all the people to labor thither, for they are but a few. So they, they noticed that Ai, in comparison to Jericho, was not a, a large city. It was quite a small city. So he says, Don't send everyone send only a handful, two or three thousand, to go and smite Ai. So there went up thither of the people about three thousand men, and they fled before the men of Ai. And the men of Ai smote of them about thirty and six men. So thirty-six men lost their lives, for they chased them from before the gate even unto Shebarim, and smote them in the going down, wherefore the hearts of the people melted and became as water. So you understand the great disappointment again, and so Joshua, the leader now, is faced with this great defeat, this great disappointment. And so notice Josh, Joshua's response, and Joshua rent his clothes and fell to the earth upon his face before the ark of the Lord, until the eventide he and the elders of Israel and put dust upon their heads. So they were mourning, they were, uh, they, they were, they were, so, uh, they were so shocked and disappointed by the result of this that they rent their clothes in mourning, they put uh, dust upon their heads, a signifier of their great mourning. They were mourning after and, and saddened by this, and they were asking the Lord. And so notice in verse 7, Joshua said, Alas, O Lord God, wherefore hast thou at all brought this people over Jordan to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us? Would to God we had been content and dwelt on the other side Jordan. So he's now reasoning with God. He's saying, why bring us out all this way when we're going to be faced with defeat? And, and he, Joshua was just trying to find answers to, to an issue or problem that was just there. And, you know, we get the, the, the benefit of hindsight. We, we see right from the beginning of the chapter, God brings out for us the reason why. There was sin in the camp. The, 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 those things that God had said, and we're going to see this later on in, in chapter 6, 
God had said to leave those alone. These are, these are for me. These are my spoils. You understand Jericho was the first city that they were going to conquer and, and everything therein, God said, don't touch, don't take. It was to be His. It was for His first fruits. And yet we see here an individual, Achan, who is named there, um, and then all of his family, his household, and his tribe is named also. We see that God sort of lifts the lid, helps us to see behind the curtain of what was actually happening. But again, remember, when you're reading through this, Joshua had no idea. And you know, sometimes when we go through life, we see something's happening, and, and we often don't, we ask the Lord, how did this come to be? And we're trying to figure out some things there. And, and yet many times the things that, the, the reasons and the, uh, the, the reasons and all of those, those factors that are behind the scenes, uh, so oftentimes they're, they're really hidden in plain sight. Because notice here, and, and we see Joshua continue to, to seek the Lord. He was, he was mourning after the, the loss and the loss of those men. And notice verse 10 now. Now skip down to verse 10. So after all that, and you can imagine Joshua there, the Lord said unto Joshua, Get thee up. Wherefore liest thou thus upon thy face? Notice what verse 11 says. Israel hath sinned, and they have also transgressed my covenant which I commanded them, for they have taken of the accursed thing and have also stolen and dissembled also. And then notice this, and this is the, the phrase that the, the Lord caught my attention with. And they have put it even among their own stuff. So those things that were taken, and we, we know what they are, the, the, the gold, the silver, the Babylonian garment, all of those things that Achan had taken. And he was saying, you know, Joshua, they were just hidden in plain sight. The, the issue was right there. I, I have to reveal it to you, but he was saying, you know, they hid it among their own stuff. It, it was just right there. You know, sometimes we, we go through... Uh, circumstances in our lives, and we're asking God why. And, and you know, there's times where, where really the, the reasons are there, but really we're just hiding it within us. We're really, we're really maybe trying, to, to, trying not to, uh, to cast the, the, the blame upon ourselves or uh, upon those obvious issues. But here, Joshua was pining for the solution for the defeat in Ai. Again, a small city in comparison to their conquest of Jericho, and here he was met with an answer from the Lord. He said that, you know, they've hidden it among, they put it among their own stuff. All of those things, Joshua, as you were walking past, actually they were right there. The, the, those, those reasons and those, uh, those things that, that, uh, that Achan had taken, the, the, the theft of that was really the issue, Joshua. And someone had stolen the accursed thing. So those things that God had said were His, the spoils of Jericho, these were to be the first fruits of the, the conquest. The, the victory and its spoils were meant to be God's and God's alone. And again, the, the, the purpose of that was to signify to God that the nation trusted Him, that they were going to follow after Him. And, and they already understood that as they were going in, that this was a fearsome people that they were going to face. There were giants in the land. There were those, uh, those enemies they still needed to defeat. And, and surely they understood that they were only going to do it through God's help. Surely they understood that they were only going to do it if they were going to follow God right down to, uh, to the very details of His Word. We understand that even the victory in, in, in Jericho was, was one that was a little unusual. The battle plan was quite unusual. And, 
And yet, that was a, a perfect illustration of how they were going to have victory if they were to follow God at His word. And yet, there was an individual here in Achan who, upon hearing all those things and upon hearing the commands there that we see in Joshua chapter 6, he, he neglects that and in fact, he ignores it and rebels against God. And out of all of that, the, the, this defeat in, in Ai was the result. And again, this was unknown to Joshua until God really revealed it. So the soldiers, again, in their conquest of Jericho was meant to set a pattern for the rest of the conquest of the land, and that was that God would come first in everything. So again, unknown to Joshua, there was sin in the camp, but God knew, didn't He? No, those things that we hide, God knows, and it's in plain sight to Him. God knew, and He made it clear to Joshua that the cause of their defeat was something that really was hidden in plain sight. It was amongst their own stuff. And really, Achan's thievery was in full display, hidden amongst his stuff. This, according to God, was the cause of their defeat in Ai. This hidden amongst their own stuff was Achan's sin in plain sight. And again, often we look at a problem and we look at perhaps fleshly reasons for that problem. At times there will be, but often hidden in plain sight is a spiritual reason. And we're going to look at another example here in, um, in, in the life of Peter, but as we think about that, let's pray. We'll ask the Lord to, to help us this morning. Father, again, we can ask, Lord, to, for you to just reveal to us just uh, the truths that you would have for us to learn this morning. Uh, Lord, we understand, dear God, that, Lord, often we are in our own understanding limited. But, Father, Lord, we, we know that you're not limited and you see all things. And then also, Lord God, that really when it comes to issues in our lives, so often you... You, you give us warning and you, you predict or you clarify, Lord God, uh, before e things even happen. You know us, Lord. You know our ways. And so I pray that you'd help us, Lord, as we think about, uh, Lord, just the, the truths in your word this morning. I ask that you'd help us, Lord, to understand, and I pray that your spirit makes application in our own lives. And Lord, we just give you the glory and praise in Jesus' most precious, holy, wonderful name. Amen. So, so you think about this in regard to, to some of the... the the big problems of our, of our world today. And, you know, we're about to come into our, our missions week. And, and, you know, missions is a big deal, isn't it, church? You understand that, that we still, to this day, there are still people that are unreached in our world today. After these th thousands of years since Jesus' commission to us, we still haven't achieved that. There's still parts of the world that still don't have the Bible in their language. There's still parts of the world where a missionary has never been to. There's still people groups out there that, that have never had someone give them a clear presentation of the gospel. And so you understand there's still the missionary problem. There's still really a reality of an underfunding and under-resourcing of our missionaries today. Many perhaps would, uh, would thrive in a, in, uh, if there was a greater amount of support that they were able to raise, but so often, and even on average, uh, missionaries who are trying to raise support take two, two, two and a half years to three years to be able to even come close to raising full support. So you understand there's a problem, right? And you know, oftentimes, and, and we're going to come into a, a missions conference, and we're going to talk about the problem, we're going to talk about the challenge, we're going to talk about the answer to that, and in that uh, part of it, when we're thinking about the answer, we often start to think, how do we strategize? How do we look at this problem and how do we 
put some, some answers to it. Uh, and, and we try to look at, the, look at the overall problem and we're trying to figure out, and, and sometimes we even go, God, how do we solve this? When so often God's saying, you know, it, actually the answer is hidden in plain sight. I've given you a commandment to go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. I've given you a pattern in the uh, book of Acts how you're meant to send and how you're meant to support and how you're, you're meant to be part of this thing. And, and what I'm saying is so often, even when it comes to this missionary problem and the, the problem of reaching the world, actually the answer to that issue is hidden in plain sight. There are still some today who God is calling to go and they're not going. That's the issue firstly. But then secondly, we're called to support the, the work of missions and we won't take part. And you know what we've done? We've hidden it in amongst our stuff. We see the, the world today, we see so often, especially Western Christianity, the, the, the embarrassment of riches that we have in our world today. We see all around our world, just even in financial downturn, people still affording this and that. And, and so often the question is, not do we have enough, but are people giving enough to the work of the Lord? And what's happening is this, we're putting away, rather than putting towards the work of God, and rather than prioritizing that, we've turned into Achan, and we've just hidden it amongst our own stuff. And too often, we, we, don't, look, we don't need to look any further than the reality of this, that, that often the answer to the problem is just an obedient Christian. It's just someone who will take God at His word. You know, sometimes we look at, uh, we look at the, the, the work of God and we look at the, the situation that we find ourselves. There's, in our world today, all around Australia, there's a lack of men going forward in the work of the Lord. There's, uh, there's, there's pastors who are aging, who are, are at that point of retirement, who are slowing down who don't have as who doesn't have as much strength as they used to be able to go out there and, and preach the word of God, and yet you look behind them, there's no young men behind them. And I, I beg to to differ in, in some opinion there where some say, well, it's just the time of, of the uh, of our history where there's a downturn in spiritual activity. But listen, do we believe that God is still on the throne? Do we still believe that God can still call men to the ministry? And so often the issue isn't other, uh, other things and other strategies and, and we don't have to reason away like God, uh, like Joshua is here. Sometimes God's just saying, get up. The problem is amongst you. It's hidden there. In plain sight, there's, there's, there's no doubt young men and, and even some older men still that God is trying to get moving and get going. There's still some here today who just will, will be uh, uh, brazenly, uh, brazenly ignorant or brazenly ignoring the need for them as individuals to get involved in the work of supporting missions. And they'll hide away amongst their own stuff. And, and it's hidden in plain sight. You see, are, are you giving God the first fruits? Are you, are, are you giving Him His place like we ought to? And and I think, about, I think about this in the life of Peter. Look at Mark chapter 8. Look at Mark chapter 8. And we'll turn to a few passages of Scripture this morning. I hope that you're ready. I hope you brought your Bible this morning. Mark chapter 8. And notice verses, uh, verses 31 to 33. 
Notice verse 31, and he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and of the, the chief priests and scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. So Jesus was careful to teach his disciples about what was to come. And you know, God is, is so careful to show us you know, the, the, the things that are to come. We, we see that plainly given us in the Word of God. And he, he's telling them about his crucifixion, the fact that he was going to suffer, he was going to be rejected, and then even there be killed and after three days rise again. So, so the, the disciples weren't ignorant of this, and he spake that saying openly. But notice Peter, Simon Peter, and, and Peter took him and began to rebuke him. Can you imagine uh, there being with the Lord Jesus, and can you imagine rebuking the Lord Jesus Christ? But that's what Peter did. We understand Peter's character. He was a bit of a big mouth. He he was often uh, the one that would would be stepping forward before anyone else. And when he had turned, notice this in verse 33, about and looked on his disciples, he rebuked Peter. Notice what he says, saying, Get thee behind me, Satan. So he recognizes that there was a, a spiritual issue there. He recognized that behind those words, Peter was being tempted or prodded by the evil one. He says, for, from, uh, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but the things that be of men. And, and so he's saying to, to Peter, look, um, you don't understand what, what's happening right now. But I'll tell you, there's a spiritual issue. And, and God's, the Lord Jesus is revealing to Peter something. Look at Matthew chapter 26. Look at Matthew 26. And God has a way of exposing the root issue. And here the Lord Jesus in speaking again to Peter, look at Matthew 26. Look at verse uh, verse 31. So again, He's speaking about his, His mission. He's speaking about the fact that he came to seek and to save that which was lost. And to do that, he needed to die. He needed to be buried and he needed to rise again. And notice verse 31, Then said Jesus unto them, All ye shall be offended because of me this night. So he's saying to them, you know, you're going to be offended because of the things I say. For it is written, I will smite the shepherd and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered abroad. But notice verse 32, but after I am risen again, I will go before you into Galilee. So he says, I'm going to meet you somewhere. So Peter answered and said unto them, and here again, Peter, though all men shall be offended because of thee, yet will I never be offended. So Jesus had already said, you're all going to be offended. You're all going to do this. This is, this is part of, the, of what's going to happen. And, and Peter's response was, Everyone else is, but I won't. And notice that Peter's, Peter's got a bit of an issue there. He says, Though all men shall be offended because of thee, yet will I never be offended. Notice verse 34, Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, that this night before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me three, thrice. So he's saying, you know, actually, Peter, you're probably going to be the worst of them. <laughs> he's saying, you're going to deny me three times. Peter said unto him, though I should die with thee, yet will I not deny thee. And you know, because Peter said it, notice, likewise also said all the disciples. 
And here Peter, again, Jesus is telling him, look, be on guard. This is what's going to happen. You're going to be offended. And, and then Peter's response, and he says, yeah, actually, Peter, you're going to de deny me three times. And again, Peter's going, look, uh, everyone else will, but I won't. And then, then the, uh, the rest went, well, us, us, us either, Lord, we won't do that as well. And so notice here a, a bit of a, a, an insight into Peter's mindset. He, he thought that he was better than everyone else. He thought that spiritually, uh, he was above everyone else in, in the group. He was so often the one to jump in. But notice what happened. Look at Luke chapter 22. Here are just several accounts of this story. Luke chapter 22. And then we'll go back to Matthew 26 in a bit. Luke chapter 22, look at 31, verse 31 to 34. And here the Lord, again, revealing to Simon something, a spiritual issue that was happening. The Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. Saying, so you're a target, Peter. He says, but I have prayed for thee that thou faith, thy faith fail not, and when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. So he's telling Peter, you know, you're going to go through some sifting. And, and really what this is speaking about was Jesus' allowance even to use the enemy to teach Simon Peter a lesson about himself. And, and he's saying, you know, you know, your faith won't fail, I'm going to pray for that. And when thou art converted, so changed, strengthen thy brethren. You're going to be used greater. Notice Peter's response in verse 33. He said unto him, Lord, I am ready to go with thee both into prison and to death. There's Peter again. And he said, I tell thee, Peter, the cock shall not crow this day before that thou shalt thrice deny that thou knowest me. And he's saying again, Peter, I know. I know the outcome of this. And, you know, again, so often God does that in His Word. He, he, will, he will show us something, and then He'll show us the result of it. And so often we, we go through that, and we then go through that, the result of it, and we go, why? Well, didn't God just warn us? Didn't God just tell us about that? And, and now go back to Matthew 26 and further down. Look at verses 69 to 75. Look at Matthew 26. Look at verses 69 to 75. So, so they've gone through this and, and now Jesus has been arrested. He, he's been taken. He, he's, he's suffering and he's going through that under the hand of the, the Romans there. Verse 69, Now Peter sat without in the palace. And a damsel came unto him saying, Thou art also wast with Jesus of Galilee. So here's the accusation that the, the, the damsel notices Peter. Peter was a familiar face perhaps as they, he's, he traveled around with the Lord Jesus. And, and she said, I know you. You look familiar. You're one of those that followed Jesus, aren't you? But he denied before them all, saying, I know not what thou sayest. So denial. And when he was gone out into the porch, another maid saw him and said unto them that were there, this fellow was also with Jesus of Nazareth. So again, Another, another one sees 
Peter and says, aren't you one of them? Verse 72, again, he denied with an oath, I do not know the man. Verse 73, and after a while came unto him they that stood by and said to Peter, surely thou also art one of them, for the speech bereath thee. So saying, you know, we, we, uh, we actually, we recognize your accent. You're with them. And notice, then began he to curse and to swear. He, he was a fisherman after all. I know not the man. And immediately the cock crew. And Peter remembered the word of Jesus, which said unto him, Before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. And he went out and wept bitterly. And, and we see in other, other accounts of this same story that the Lord Jesus looks at him and he weeps bitterly. Reminded again of what Jesus had previously said, that you're going to do this. This will be the result of this. And, and you know, outwardly, Simon was, Peter was brave and often the one to step out first. He was, he was the leader. But, but really, he had a blind spot. He was proud. He, he, had, he had allowed certain things in his mindset. We know that because another time he was part of those that were arguing who was going to be the greatest. And Jesus had warned Peter and inevitably Peter failed. And his failure was really predicted by the Lord. And when, you know, when we go through spiritual failure with real life repercussions, oftentimes we don't need to look further for the reasons. It's already been given us. It's because, you know, we didn't take heed of the warning. And God had to, in, in really in His mercy and in loving correction, He allows a revealing of our issue. And, and you know, so often that happens in our, in our Christian life. You know, so often when we think about the, the lot of our lives, we, we think about the outward manifestations of spiritual issues. And, and I understand there's things that are hidden from our eyes. We, don't, we can't see man's heart, can we? And we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit later. But, but oftentimes, there are, there are things that we see. There are measurable things that we see that is a, that is a downturn, of, downturn of spiritual activity. And, and I mentioned, you know, I, I mentioned resourcing missions and I, I mentioned financing the work of the Lord, because really that, that is actually an outward manifestation of a spiritual issue. When the giving's not there, it's not a, it's not a strategy thing, it's not a, anything practical. Actually, it's a spiritual issue. And there's, a, there's an outward manifestation of that, and we don't need to look further for the reasons. It's just hidden amongst our own stuff. And here the Lord Jesus is revealing to Peter something he could not see. Something he could not see about himself. Something he could not see about, uh, about his own heart. And here the Lord Jesus had to warn him, but then he allowed him to go through it, and there at the end of it, he weeps bitterly. And we know later on that Peter is now tender, isn't he? Because G Jesus then does meet them at Galilee, doesn't he, in John chapter 20, 21. He meets them in Galilee, and what does Jesus say to Peter? Lovest thou me? Lovest thou me? Lovest thou me? Hey, isn't that interesting? Three times. He had to get Peter to the, the same amount of denials, the same amount of affirmations. 
that indeed he was back on track. But Peter had to go through that humbling. Peter had to go through the, the result of his lack of hearing and lack of listening to get through to that place where God could use him greatly. And we know later on Peter preaches at Pentecost and 3,000 get saved. Doesn't he? And he had to go through that. And, and you know, sometimes, sometimes God brings us to those humbling times. But, you know, so often he wants to cut us off the pass. He warns us. He, he warns us. And, and you know, the, it's really just in plain sight. So often, the, this is where we're at. In, in Proverbs 14, 12, there is a way which seemeth right unto a man. But the end thereof are the ways of death. Aren't we a, a funny people? We're strange. You know, we, we have the, we as God's people, we have the, the mind of God who knows the end from the beginning, who created life as we know it. He spoke it. And He's given us His Word plainly for us to understand. And yet, so often we try to figure it out ourselves. Have you ever, um, ever gotten a new, uh, new computer? And you know, you, you think it's as simple as... as opening it, and it turns on. Uh, but perhaps, perhaps maybe some of you are technologically challenged, and you sort of go, and you open it, and you go, okay, I don't know what to do with it. What does this button do? What does that button do? And you, you try to figure out yourself, and you can't turn it on, or you can't, you know, you can't use it. You can't use a calendar. Um, don't, don't know how to do that. You don't know how to, what, what's the email browser I'm meant to use? I don't know. And you're going through that, and, and you know, um, usually with, those, with those, uh, those gadgets, they come with troubleshooting, don't they? They come with a help desk. And, and how, how many of us, we really don't want to call help desk? Or we don't really want to read the manual? But you know, we treat God that way sometimes. We look at the, the, the issues of our lives, and, and really it's revealed to us in the Word of God, there's a... God has already shown us that if you don't do this or if you do this, this will be the result of it. This will be what, will be what happens. We, and we ought to run our lives through the, 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 the filter of the Word of God. And again, I want to show you that, that in those two instances that we spoke about this morning, that, that there was a pre-warning towards these, uh, these two, the Achan and also Peter, about the situation that they're about to face. So, so with that, notice a the two things we're going to learn this morning. That was, a, that was an introduction. You know, here's, a, here's the lessons we glean. You know, at times, the way we're going to learn is for things hidden to be exposed. And um, now go back, to, uh, go back to Joshua, and we'll turn there first. Go back to Joshua chapter 6, and keep a finger here um, as well. But Matthew chapter 6, uh, sorry, Joshua chapter 6. You know, there's that famous verse, isn't it? Numbers 32, 23. Anyone know it? Be sure your sins will find you out. He says, but if ye will not do so, behold, ye have sinned against the Lord, and be sure your sin will find you out. I think about David when he tried to, uh, tried to uh, sweep away his, uh, his sin with Bathsheba. And, and God sent Nathan to confront him, and he said, Thou art the man. 
And that wasn't in a positive way like we would do it today, you're the man. No, thou art the man, as in accusing you, God's pointing His finger at you. And we know that, we understand that, that, that God, we can't hide anything from God's sight. See, no matter how much we try to cover up, God sees what's hidden in plain sight. God exposes our hearts. God exposes us through circumstances, through consequences. But so often God exposes us, firstly, our hearts and our motives and our actions through His Word. But again, also through the allowance of the consequences of our sin and the consequences of, of foolishness and a lack of wisdom. And, and, and I'm saying, you know, how, how many more, uh, how many Christians would, would, would live lives that are more blessed and, and more uh, peaceful and more calm and, and, and uh, lives that are more fruitful if they just simply follow the Word of God? Uh, how many Christians would avoid uh, wrong decisions and, and, and foolish decisions and, and, and foolish uh, manner, uh, matters of living? Uh, how, how many of us would have lives that would be more pleasing to God if we were just taken the, the warning of Scripture in the first place? And then when we go through the consequences of that, we wonder why. When he's saying, no, I've given it to you in plain sight. And, and you know, God exposes it that way. How many churches, how many more missionaries would be more able to function if people were how they should be gave like they should, if God's people confessed sin and got things right with each other like they should, if God's people got rid of idols in their lives like they should. But you know what we do? We keep it hidden. And Ezekiel 14.4, Therefore speak unto them and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, every man of the house of Israel that setteth up his idols not on shelves in his heart, and putteth the stumbling block of, this, of his iniquity before his face. And so often it's the hidden idols of the heart. It's those things that no one else can see. And in Proverbs 5.21, let's remember this though, for the ways of man are before the eyes of the Lord, and he pondereth all his goings. In Proverbs 15.3, the eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. And so he understands and he sees. And so because of that, to help us learn, at times the way we learn is for things that are hidden to be exposed. And in the first place, He exposes it in His Word, but again, at times He exposes it through consequences. And look at Joshua chapter 6, and again, I was referring to this earlier, but look at verse 17. So He's already given the instruction here to Joshua about the, the battle plan. They were going to walk around the city. Right, silently. And then on the seventh day, they were going to march around seven times and then at the end, yell. And then the walls would come tumbling down. All right, we know the story, but here's a, another part of the instruction. So again, remember Joshua had to tell the, 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 the soldiers this, right? The, the army. And the city shall be accursed, even it. And all that therein to the Lord, only Rahab the harlot shall live. She and all that are with her in the house because she hid the messengers that we sent. So again, we know the story. They enter in, the spies enter in, and they, they make a deal with Rahab because Rahab helped them out. She hid them away. And so Rahab, they tell Rahab, you know, have a, have a scarlet thread uh, running out your window and we'll know that's you and we'll rescue your household. A great picture of salvation. In verse 18, And ye in any wise keep yourselves from the accursed thing, lest you make yourselves a curse when ye have 
take of the accursed thing and make the camp of Israel a curse and trouble it. So he's saying, there's some things I don't, wa- I don't want you to, to take. So notice this in verse 19. But all the silver and gold and vessels of brass and iron are co- consecrated unto the Lord. They shall come into the treasury of the Lord. So the people shouted when the priest blew with the trumpets, and it came to pass when the people heard the sound of the trumpet and the people shouted with a great shout that the wall fell down flat so that the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city. So everything God said came true, correct? And in all of that, He was saying, don't take of these. So they, they destroyed it. Uh, Joshua said unto the two men in verse 22 that had spied out of the country, go into the harlot's house, bring out thence the woman and all that she had. And all of that, and notice again in verse 26, and Joshua adjured them that, at, the, at that time. So there was further instruction saying, you know, those that rebuild the city will be cursed. But as part of that deal, we understand later on then that Achan, who was, a, who was part of the army, who was part of those that saw the walls come tumbling down, God said that everything He said came true. But then for Achan, he went in and he took those things. He took the Babylonish garment, took, took gold, took those things that were meant to be for God. And, and here's, here's what, what God does in, in, in revealing and, and revealing those hidden things. You know, before that, God warns us clearly. He warns us clearly. He warns us so often. And, and really, if you go through the, the whole Bible, God gives us so many warnings. He so often says, take heed to thyself. He so often says, consider thyself. He so often will say to us to listen, to hearken. In fact, the Bible tells us in Proverbs 1, 23-27, turn you at my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit unto you. I will make known my words unto you. Because you have, I have called. Notice that. God's speaking. He's trying to warn. But notice the attitude. Because I have called and ye refused. I have stretched out my hand and no man regarded. But ye have set at naught all my counsel. And would none of my reproof. I will also laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your fear cometh. When your fear cometh as desolation. And your destruction cometh as a whirlwind when distress and anguish cometh upon you. And he's saying, I've warned you, but now the calamity has come. And at that point, I'm just going to allow you to go through it because you need to learn. You need to learn. And what I'm saying is, you know, God will will allow those things hidden to be revealed so that we can learn. But before that, God warns us clearly, and here's what I'm saying. We need to take God's warning as truth. Here's what we like to do. We like to have a Bible promise book. We like to, we like to go through and memorize those, those promises in the Bible that are positive. We like to, to go through that, and we, we love verses that, that speak about how God is good to us and how God will do this for us and how God will bless us this way, but we don't like those warnings. We don't like it when God's negative, when God tells us there's consequences to sin, when God tells us that if we don't do this, then this will happen. And by the way, that's really the context of of Numbers chapter 32, 23. It's sins of omission. 
things that we should have done that, that, that we didn't do, and now there's things that are revealed, there's consequences, but we need to take God's warning as truth just as much as God's promises. So often we like to take God's promises as truth. But guess what? Every word of God is pure. That includes the warnings. That includes the negative. That, that includes those things that, that God reveals to us that, that clarifies those things that are warnings to us. See, often we think we're the exception to the rule. We have the Peter syndrome. We have the Aiken syndrome. You know, perhaps Aiken thought that, you know, as he was listening there, and, and Joshua goes through the battle plan, okay, we're going to walk around in, in quiet, and then on the seventh day, seven times, and then we're going to yell. And, and guys, listen, God said, don't take of the, any of the cursed thing. And perhaps as, as Achan was going through there, the, sure enough, the walls fell down. And, and he went through there and, and everyone else was just was going through and doing what they were meant to do, be doing. And perhaps Achan thought for a split second, wait a minute. Maybe I'm the exception to the rule. Hey, God will judge everyone else except me. And, and here he was. And again, remember the mentality of Peter. Not I, Lord. Uh, these guys, I know them. These disciples, yeah, they're, they're, really, they're really carnal, but not me. And, and sometimes we go through our lives and we take, we take heed so much to the promises of God, which we ought. But sometimes when it comes to the warnings of God, we think we're the exception to the rule. That suddenly, you know what, we're the exception and, no one else, and you know, everyone else will go through it except me. And, and here's what I'm saying. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 4, Verse 5, therefore judge nothing before the time until the Lord come, who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the counsels of the heart, and then shall every man have praise of God. Here's what I'm saying. You know, God will warn us clearly, but it's, it's, it's not our job to judge everyone else. Did you hear me this morning? It's not our job to look at everyone else and go, well, they're going through that because of this. It's like, the, it's like those that, that looked, at the, um, looked at the child who was born blind, and they said, whose sin is it, his or his parents? And Jesus said, neither. It was for my glory. And, and sometimes we judge something before the time. And so our job isn't to presume that on everyone else. It's not for us to presume on everyone else, that, that, this is the, that this and that is the case. Here's what I am saying in 2 Corinthians 4.2, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the Word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Here's what I'm saying. We're meant to take the responsibility to take heed of the warnings of God for ourselves. We're meant to us. As individuals, we're meant to renounce the hidden things of darkness. We're meant to not handle the Word of God deceitfully and, and look at you know, the, the passages we like and are, are positive and affirmative for us, but then the warning and all of that, then we just ignore. See, God will warn us quick, uh, clearly, but we need to, we need to take heed. We, we, we're not to look at others and go, oh, well, that's because of this. Listen, it could very well be, but really you don't know. But we need, to, we need to take care of ourselves. And, and in allowing 
those things that are hidden to come to pass, then we see. But then He also not only warns us clearly, He gives us time to repent. Have you ever thought about why Jesus warned Peter? Sometimes I wish Peter just right there said, you know, Lord, I've been prideful. You're right. I do have that capacity in me. Um, and you, you ever thought about why God went through the whole list with Achan? You ever thought about that? Why God, Listen, did God know it was Achan? But why later on did, did he tell Joshua, okay, get this tribe, Judah. Get this, this family. Get this household. And then he went to Achan. Just think about, think about Achan in that situation. Surely he knew that God knew. And, and what God was doing was, at every, every step closer to him, really was a time where Achan could have repented. He could have gotten right. He, he, could have, he could have, before the exposure, just exposed himself and said, it's me. And you know, God does that so, so often for us. He gives us so many warnings and then he gives us time to repent. Aren't you, God, aren't you glad that our God is he's quick to forgive, but He's slow to anger. Aren't you glad? I'm glad. You know, if God wasn't that, then the, the, the day that we sin, God could have just taken us away. But, but he, he lets us have time, and God gives us time to repent. You know, He went through all of God gives us time to, to repent of the hidden reasons of our spiritual problems. So often we forget in Proverbs 28, 13, He that covereth his sins shall not prosper. But whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. 1 John 1, 9 should be something, a verse we memorize. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so often God gives us time to repent. God even has built in to our our, our mode of, of assembling together, our time in church where we have a time as oft as we do it, it's the Lord's table. And God even builds into that time of remembrance a time of repentance. Where in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 28, but let a man examine himself. And so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. We know that if you drink unworthily, then, then you're guilty of the, the, the body of the Lord and you're guilty then and that, that's why there's many that are weak and are sick and sleep. That's the Bible's euphemism for death. And so he's saying, because of that, let a man examine himself. And so listen, church. You know, sometimes what, what, uh, what concerns me is, is so often when we do have the Lord's table, it's actually quite a low attendance. And maybe because we don't want to be confronted by the fact that we're meant to confess and get some things right. But listen, I'll tell you this, it's very healthy for you to do it. If you would examine your heart, and again, it's not for someone else to examine you. It's not, it's not anyone else's place to examine you. You're meant to examine yourself. And so we come to these times where God gives us time to repent. He says, for if we would judge ourselves in verse 31, we should not be judged. And so many times God will allow even time of repentance. But then you know what? When all of that fails, 
what happens is God allows those hidden things to be revealed. And there we learn. And, you know, we have a loving God that even through that, He's with us. Even through God, through that, that he, he, will, he will help us to get through. And, and if we're sensitive to the Spirit of God and we're surrendered to Him, we, we can overcome those things. But listen, uh, we don't have to go through the pain. And, and we know later on that Achan and his whole household paid the price, didn't he? Didn't they? We, we see later on here in, in Peter's, in, uh, in Peter's instance that he went through that heartache. He went through that time of sorrow. And so often God's trying to save us through that. And so He reveals. He, he makes allowance. And sometimes we might see that in another person's life. We saw, we saw in that verse where you know, those hidden things will come to light. We'll, we'll see that. And sometimes as a result, then we ought to learn. But the second thing we learn is this. You know, at times the process of growth God allows for humbling to be enacted. You know, God looks at our hearts. And God's trying to get us to a place of humility. He says in James 4, 6, But he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. You think about this, Achan's sin really was rooted in pride. Because how dare he think that he was the exception to the rule? As if God was going to miss that. And, and Achan's sin was rooted in pride. Simon Peter was proud. He said, everyone else but me. He said, everyone else will be offended. Everyone else will deny you. Everyone else will do that but me. And yet God had a greater plan for the nation of Israel. God had a greater plan for, uh, for Simon Peter. And so in, in order for, for there to be growth, in order for there to be progression in the work of God, there needed to be some humbling. And God won't use a prideful person for His work. And often the spiritual reason for our lack of growth or progress really is hidden in plain sight. It's pride. It's pride. See, the Bible tells us when pride cometh, then cometh shame. But with the lowly is wisdom. There's another example. Look at Daniel chapter 5, last scripture we'll turn to. Daniel chapter 5, and we see this great king who God warns in an earlier passage, but now his son is on the throne. Um, and, and notice here in um, Daniel chapter 5, and uh, notice verse, verse 20. So there's a, there's a warning given here to this current king. And he uses a past king. He says in verse 20 about King Nebuchadnezzar. And here Daniel's speaking to uh, King Belshazzar and, and says, verse 20, but when his heart, so Nebuchadnezzar's heart was lifted up and his mind hardened in pride, he was deposed from his kingly throne. And they took his glory from him. And he was driven from the sons of men, and his heart was made like the beasts. And his dwelling was with the wild asses. They fed him with grass like oxen. And his body was wet with the dew of heaven, till he knew that the Most High God ruled in the kingdom of men, and that he appointed over it whomsoever he will. And thou his son, 
O Belshazzar, hast not humbled thine heart, though thou knowest all this. You notice there what he was saying, you know, your, your father, Nebuchadnezzar, his heart was lifted up and so I humbled him. I made him like an animal. And you know that story. Nebuchadnezzar looks out in the kingdom, he says, look at all I've done. And God says, he humbles him and he makes him like an animal. He goes in the field. He, he starts to grow, you know, fur and all of that on his body and he turns into a beast. And, and he's gone into the, and, and it had to take some humbling for him to go, for God to bring him back to the throne. He's saying, you know, I'm the one that appoints leadership. I'm the one that appoints government. And so he went through that, but here's the, the warning was given to Belshazzar. He says, you know, you knew all of this, and you're still proud. And you know, the Bible is full of, uh, full of stories, real life stories, by the way. And, and don't forget this, church. The Bible is a historical book. These aren't made-up stories. These aren't just stories about morals. You know, sometimes you make up stories for your kids, right, to teach them morals. I was doing that with my kids last night. I was teaching them some things, and I made up a story. And, and uh, you know, uh, one of them was like, you were talking about me, Dad? I said, nah, yeah, okay, I was. You know, and I was just trying to teach them something, but I was making up a story. It wasn't real. But, you know, the Bible is full of real-life stories with real people over and over again of God warning and not getting it. And so often we do the same. God's warning us and He's showing us things. And, and you know, the God won't, won't, in this instance here, use a prideful person for His work. See, pride causes us to oppose God. You know, we, we often think about uh, that, that, that word sodomy, sodomite. So homosexuality is a sin. And we see, sometimes we look at that and we go, well, that was the sin of Sodom. But notice the Bible in Ezekiel 16, 49. Let me read it for you. Behold, this was the iniquity of thy sister, Sodom. Pride. Fullness of bread and abundance of idleness was in her and in her daughters. Neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and the needy. But the first thing was this. It was pride. And you think about that sin. That's, uh, it's rooted in pride. Uh, they're so proudful that they will say, you know, I don't care what you made me, God. I will be whoever I want. That's pride. And, and, and they have that you know, as a catchphrase, pride. But listen, um, the, the point I'm making is this, pride causes us to oppose God. And, and, and listen, we live in a day where there's great pride in sinful things. And it's all rooted in that root sin of pride. And so God won't use that. And so because of that, He allows these processes of growth for our humbling. And sometimes He humbles us by making us fall, by allowing us to go through the consequences of sin. But then God sees humbling really as the essential, not the additional. Now here's what we think, you know, God can use me regardless. But listen, God looks at humility as an essential, not an additional. We think, oh, it's a bonus if I'm humble. No, actually God requires it. 
he, he looks at the broken and the contrite of spirit. And, you know, we, we need to understand that when we look at, the, look at the, the issues at times of our own hearts, maybe it's just hidden in plain sight. Maybe God's allowing some things, maybe some even consequences to help us see that, you know, there's, there's things that are just right there that you need to get right. In 1 Peter 5, 6-7, Humble yourselves before, therefore under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon Him, for He careth for you. And, and God looks at humility or humbling as the essential, not the additional. And often we look for reasons when God's given it to us in plain sight. He, he's, he's given us the solution to the missionary problem. We all take a part. It's our commission, not just some, a few, all of us. God's given it to us. He, he's shown us that. You know, when, when there's, a, there's, a, there's an issue or there's a consequence in your life, you know, the first thing you ought to think is, where in the Bible have I seen that? And then get it right. If there's other things that you, and, and here's what I'm saying, that God's warned us. He's clearly and maybe he's allowing some consequences. He's allowing some revealing. Because he's trying to get you, he's trying to correct you. He's trying to get you back. And sometimes we, we miss what's, what's hidden in plain sight. Often we look for reasons when God's given it to us. We need not look further for the solutions of our spiritual ills. Beyond God's clear warnings and God's work. To bring us low and humble us so that he might exalt us. In due time, and so as we go about, and you know, we sometimes we try to figure out, like, like, like Joshua. Sometimes we try to figure, you know, maybe not us, like Simon, but maybe God's just saying, "It's there. I'm showing you. I've warned you clearly. Um, I'm going to humble you a little bit now." And in that time, we just we just need to turn to God. And look to Him for, for His work and His working in our lives. Let's pray. Father heaven, thank You, Lord. Lord, for our opportunity this morning to look in Your Word. Lord, I, I pray that You'd help us this morning. You know, we, we know that our hearts are deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? But yeah, Lord, the, the very following verse, You say, You, You try the reins, You try the hearts. And you reveal the, the works of our, of our hearts. And, and so often, Lord, we can look at the, the, the problems of the day and, and even in our own lives. And yet, Lord, so many times you've given us warning, you've given us examples, you've given us stories that are recorded in your pure word. And even, Lord, in, in the lives of others and the consequences that they go through to warn us, and really, it's right there in front of us. So I pray that you'd help us, Lord God, to, to understand these things and help us, Lord, to be guided this week. Lord, we're going to head into a time of, of your working, Lord, in our own hearts in regard to missions. And Lord, we want our hearts to be ready. Lord, to be, to be um, ready to receive what you would have us to do. So I pray that you'd help us, Lord, to, to be revived that way. And Lord, it's for your cause. And we ask that you do a work. With every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around. And 
the piano can begin to play. This morning as we have our time of invitation, I want to ask you a couple of questions. And whether you're a, you're a regular attendee, you're a member of our church, or you're a visitor, you're a guest today, I want to ask you this question. If you were to die today, would you know for sure that your sins are forgiven, that heaven's your home? You know, the Bible tells us He came to seek and to save that which was lost. And He's given us warning that the wages of sin is death. But He's also given us the good news that the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I wonder if there's ever been a time where you've accepted the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you were to die today, would you know for sure? And if you're here this morning and you say, Pastor, I'm not sure. I wouldn't know. If I were to die today, I, I wouldn't know if I was going to heaven, if I, my sins are forgiven. Is there anyone here this morning? Just say, Pastor, just pray for me. I'm not sure. And maybe today was God's warning for me, and I want to make sure of that this morning. Anyone here this morning, just say, Pastor, pray for me. I'm not sure if I'm saved. I'm not sure if my sins have been forgiven. I've never accepted Christ as my Savior. Is there anyone this morning? Just with an uplifted hand. I don't see any hands. And then church, I wonder if you would just uh, take some time this morning. Maybe just here this morning and say, Pastor, just pray for me. The Lord spoke to my heart this morning about some things. and um, Pastor, I'd appreciate your prayers for me this week. Anyone here this morning? See that hand? See those hands? See those hands? See those hands? Too many hands. Thank you. Then let's all stand to our feet. No one looking around. And If you raise your hand, I want to invite you to come. Here's the altar this morning. Why don't we take some time this morning to respond to the Word of God. And, and maybe the, right there in your seat, would you just pray for our missions conference? Would you just pray maybe for you that God would work in your heart this week, that those things that maybe are hidden and, and all of that, that God would just help you. Why don't we take the time as a piano place?